Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name's Joshua Baker, and I'll be your host today. Please fasten your seatbelts and keep all appendages in the ride the entire way. I don't ride rides, so I'm not actually sure that's what they say, but here we are. With me today, I don't know where I'm going to go in. Uh, with me today is first our, some would say, smarmy host. That's right, folks. It's Peter Bond. I, didn't, I hoped it wouldn't have been me, and it was. You hate to hear it. You hate to hear it. <laughs> Next up, some would call her effervescent. Others would call her India Jones. Oh, my God. Hey, it's so great to be here. It's so great to see you all. And in the booth with the mics, the ones and twos and threes, if you pay him enough, that's right, it's AJ. <laughs> and the threes, hello, I'm here. Josh, I love, I love the, 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 sh- the radio DJ energy you bring every time you host. It's really great. Okay. I'm really glad because I never think it through. <laughs> Why did AJ and India get hyped up and I got fucking negged on on, on mic? Okay. You always gotta neg one one of the hosts. There's always gotta be the host that you introduce. It's like here's I'm gonna Johnson. And <laughs> kind of wearing a very blocky top. It's India Jones. Yes. Damn, dude. Uh, I uh Peter, you were like you were just really lounged back yeah and you had your hand in a way as if you were just observing and i just the the word that popped in was smarmy Mm -hmm. i don't think that about you don't worry often but uh, others do so (laughs) but but others (laughs) was meaner than it meant to be (laughs) anyway possible bits i've prepared uh it is we could just start the the show you know doing a la carte no no no. let's do a la carte bits josh can you please present them to us no i was gonna say first we could of course being so close to Easter Sunday, reflect on the sacrifice made by our Lord and Savior, India. Can you repeat that? <laughs> All right. And then, Peter, uh, bit number two, is the Easter Bunny hiding something? Um, I dressed up as the Easter Bunny for quite a few years. Not to ruin the illusion for anybody. Did you hide anything? Not really, to be honest. I was mostly interactive. Anyway. <laughs> was this, like, at a camp or, like, yeah, it, for family? No, it was at... It was at the Quaker meeting house. So, oh, that makes more sense. It was just something you do in your spare um. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just funnily it was actually in. It was usually in August. And I yeah. kind of just skulk around <laughs> in the woods, you know, looking for other bunnies. <laughs> and my last bit, AJ. What's your favorite candy? My favorite candy is one hundred grand. But no, uh, take five. Take five. That's the one with the pretzel. Oh, thank and the caramel goodness! In, I was going right? to say. 100 grand's a little too rich for my taste. Hey, oh, no, the take five with the pretzel and the caramel and the peanut butter, right? Is that what's in a take five? That's Those so are fucking good. good, dude. I would Those also just any day of the week eat a, a, a payday. Um, so my bank account would too. Hey, <laughs> worry. Right. your favorite candy? <laughs> favorite candy. That's a tough one. For the longest time, and this isn't true anymore, but I'm just going to say it. Um, it's actually like, not my choice of favorite at all, but for the longest time, it was the Almond Joy. Mm. Oh, love an Almond Joy. Coconut's great. Like I got them as like like a like my like family friend gave them for me every year for every holiday, like a whole bag of them because they were my favorite. And you can imagine wow. that I did eat all of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. for many years, many holidays. That's surely a way to get sick of a candy. Yeah, 100%. and Peter, <laughs> what is your father's favorite? 
Y'all eating the most fucked up bars over there. Have you not heard of the little gummy little things that they make in all shapes and forms? I actually dislike almost all gummy. I need a name because gummy thing that they make in all shapes and forms could legitimately be any gummy candy. That's what Peter's saying. saying. The category of gummy candies is a ripe. High hitting category. Well, no, sure. well, we're well, all being I mean, specific. You have to be specific. And okay, TBH, Josh said your dad. Yeah, it's like if Indy and I were like, we love chocolate bars. Okay, also, yeah. okay. I feel, I've lived with you before, Peter. <laughs> I've never seen you eat a gummy. Okay, Josh, I'm every day I'm coming home with like a full bag of Sour Patch watermelons and I'm just going to town, you know? That's insane to me. When Maybe we live together, you mostly I eat agree. fucking corn nuts. I was like going to say, no, murderer. Pete loves a corn nut. I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. you brought that up. In general, I prefer a savory treat. It's true. I'm just saying... I think it's pretty generous to call corn nuts a savory treat and not just like hard salt. I would, yeah, I would call I it horse feet. I love corn nuts. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, would, India. All right. I will say I also love a corn nut. So, I'm not, so we all like to nut on the show. We all like to nut. Okay. I specifically don't like corn nuts and don't approve nutting on the show. Josh, what is your favorite candy? Thank you for asking. For a very long time, it was Hershey's Cookies and Cream Bars, but I've recently oh. discovered... Hershey's Symphony Bars with almond and toffee, and yeah. they're divine. That that um, sounds fucking delicious. Holy right. shit. I got a half a bar in my fridge right now. All right. Well, that's enough for that. We're going to read Malazan Book of the Fallen. That's right. It's the Crippled God, and we're Whoa. diving into chapter eight. Book two. Oh. AJ? What? You had to do, I was waiting for a sound effect oh. from you. <laughs> Oh, wow, that was a missile. (laughs) Yeah. Chapter 8. A child of the snake is horrifically eaten by the shards, who are in turn consumed by the other children. The snake keeps making its way west toward the bone hunters. Sherkalal and company are not happy with their present state of affairs, with their ship stranded on a glacier. Felash feels little remorse for her actions and discusses the possibilities of finding supplies in Amtos Falak with Shirk. Felash sends her handmaiden into a warren, where she finds enemies on all sides. Turns out she's a super badass and handles everything this world throws at her. Then she finds a boat. Back on our normal plane, Shirk and Falash are discussing sex without complications. When a portal opens and out comes a shit ton of trees and the handmaiden failing to steer her new ship. Silchus Ruin finds himself in a corpse-filled realm with presumably the dead body of Coltane at its center. Though he searches for a weapon, all he finds are half-dead gods, trapped in this realm and scheming on how to get out of it. Shadowthrone arrives, and we get some perspective on the whole story, it seems, but it's pretty hard to parse out on a first read. Shadowthrone gives Silchus a hust sword, claiming he won't find anything of value in this realm. Silchus is uneasy, as he believes he should recognize all hust swords, but this one's identity escapes him. He proclaims it too valuable for his young apprentice, and Shadowthrone invites him to keep it. 
a gift to the brother of the man that slayed his greatest adversary. Shadowthrone and Cotillion meet up, and for once seem pretty happy with the state of affairs. Cotillion cryptically mentions that he sent her off to go kill the biggest, meanest one. On the shore, Withel talks with Yed and Derig, and is not confident in the outcome of the battle to come. But he doesn't have to wait long, as the lightfall begins in earnest. Dragons in the ocean begin to swarm the shore, while Twilight can but look on as her people begin to fight. She will not kneel. Well, as per usual, we're going to start off with, that's right, a child getting eaten alive. Mm. It's wild that that's not the first time this has happened in this series. No. And you know, is it going to be the last, AJ? I hope. Who's? <laughs> well, we, we, I would say we all hope, but <laughs> I can't presume. Children are dying, you know? It is true. Damn. Um, Peter. Yeah. When you imagine the shards... Can you tell me what you are seeing, the, these, uh, oh my God, these Josh, beings thanks, of the desert? Thanks for bringing it up. It's just, I'm not going to, I won't use my words. Um, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I find the imagery there so cool. It's so otherworldly. And mm. I feel like just, I, I kind of love kind of those types of undescribable landscapes, you know? Um, and just the way they're describing not only the shards, but also just like the way the desert looks around them. I really like this whole biome. When I read it, what I struggle with is I can't decide if there's literally nothing forever or if there's remnants of things everywhere. They're just too old to be of use. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Like. They like they find water and sometimes I feel like they've talked about trees, but I imagine like the husks of trees and like not big ones, like small things kind of just like interrupting the landscape. Mm. And I don't know what's scarier like that or absolutely nothing forever. I think it's that. I think the nothingness would be scarier. But then where would the shards come from? So it's got to be some kind of trees. Yeah, I don't know. I just like those kind of details and the way it's described just to distinguish it from other like more like sandy desert settings that we've had in the book yes so i think just to differentiate and also it being alien to me kind of makes sense since they're on this kind of otherworldly journey in a way Mm. aj what do you think besides snakes of children for feasting is like feeding and keeping this ecosystem alive because it keeps being called the wastelands but clearly there is life here it's just very predatory Yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of nailed it saying that it is just predatory because I think it is just like predators feeding on predators feeding on predators. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's this like kind of horrific circle of life. But the circle is also just like crossed through with like, well, these things eat these things, then they eat these things. But also if we go straight across 180 degrees on the other side of the circle, this thing also eats that. So I think it's just kind of an ecosystem that is like kept alive by just like cannibalizing itself in some ways. Uh, that is, I feel like that's so accurately put and also hor- horrifying. Yeah, well, it's it's like an oppressive place, right? You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's desert, but worse. Uh, so it's just like, yeah. what is what is worse than like weird sand bugs? I don't know. I can't even tell you. Shards, I yeah. guess. I, I Yeah. So, India, we're going to go over to uh, Shirk and the gang now. Do you really do you think you side with Shirk more in this situation of being kind of upset? Her boat's 
stuck forever or are you with Felash? like well i saved you so i mean i don't ever take any of these scenes seriously so it feels kind of like a joke but i'm always with shirk always with shirk that's fair <laughs> and uh do you have any predictions any suspicions as to what her handmaiden or who her handmaiden might really be because she is fucking ridiculous in these chapters genuinely no i don't <laughs> i have no, all right no idea mm-hmm. aj anything from you um no and i'm gonna pull a classic pete here but i want to talk about something else really quick um okay Okay. AJ gets it. AJ gets it. <laughs> in, God, and, and just in the last smarmy Pete. Just in the last <laughs> section, uh, you know, but all's I think POV is always very interesting, and I love the way that that POV is written. Usually, um, you know, very poetic, etc., all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think this uh, born becomes held, held becomes mother, mother makes born, born is held, etc., etc., etc. I think that is just like. I don't know. It's it's not new imagery. You know, we've got we've talked about cycles in these books a whole bunch. Um, but I just think, you know, I just I just liked that writing. So I did just want to shout that out. Yeah, that passage is like kind of confusing, but also like the more I looked at it, the sadder I got. Yes. In some ways, you know. Yeah. And I also still personally cannot tell if Held is alive or even a baby, you know. Well, Held was born, Josh. Um, and someday maybe Held's eyes will change color and they will be born again. Right, 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 but right. But also Thank maybe you, their AJ. mother and then they'll, they'll have a born. Mm. So <laughs> does that clear it up? Yes, nailed it. And then Peter, yeah. since we know that the children are heading to, while well, we're back on the children for a second, I completely forgot to ask, who do you think would be the better mom to a snake full of children? <laughs> uh, do we think it's <laughs> Tavor or Kindly? <laughs> Jesus um i'm actually going to uh defer um because i have something i want to talk about later that's related to this so okay okay we'll 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 push that we'll put a pin in that one we'll circle back later okay i just i'm now kind of thinking through what i said (laughs) i just want to say it's a loose loose if any relation loose and when you say later you mean like we haven't read it yet no 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 we've talked later in this episode okay all right that's fine that's fine We'll, we'll come back to it then uh, I mean, I guess there's the entire scene where the handmaiden is, you know, pounding through demons or whatever, and yeah. also killer ferrets. Was that what they are? Uh, voles, I believe. Voles. Yeah. I don't like most animals. I, like, I don't like many any animal that doesn't have a pupil, and so voles fall into that category. And the idea of voles that are like deadly yeah. is truly awful to me. Yeah. And I just wanted to get that on the record. That that part was sick. Uh, I think it was super rad because um, yeah. we haven't seen. Sorry, she has a name, doesn't she? I don't know, AJ. Uh, I wanted to use a name in these in the in the summaries and I, I can't think of it. Maybe they just call her the handmaid or handmaiden. Handmaiden. I because I'm seeing Felish now. I Felish doesn't has to say her name to her. At some point, you know, but their scenes together are so brief. I don't know. She it might not. And maybe that's a, pur- a purposeful choice uh, yeah. or we're just silly. Uh, if so, tweet at us. Um. Anyway, uh, we haven't seen her actually do anything. We've seen like you're going to do something right. And she'll be like, yes. And then we'll come back and it'll be after the thing has been done. 
Right. Um, or like, right. you know, after the thing she has done and then the aftermath of it. But now we're like, OK, we're going to Amtos Falak. Let's actually go with her uh, and see what's up in this new POV, which is fun. And yeah, that's just fucking it's fucking cool. So there you go. <laughs> I said it pretty rad, pretty rad. Any other thoughts anyone has on uh, th- these initial shirk scenes? Well, I'm fine to move on and ask this question, which is. When we were in the Silchess scene, mm. I personally immediately kind of, I don't want to say checked out, but I began sort of skimming anytime <laughs> we have to deal with a lot of like half dead gods. Mm. And so when I was writing the summaries and the Tor rereads, like, and then there's Coltane's body because it's described and then they write what is described. And I was like, how the fuck did I miss that? AJ and India, did you pick that up? Because I definitely missed that it was Coltane's body. I definitely did not pick up on that. Yeah. The remnants of a body hung from it. Flesh in shreds. Black hair hanging down over the desiccated face. I feel like that's not enough information for us to know There's more. No idea. Okay. There's there's a part about manacled to a cross with an arrow arrow hole in the forehead. Okay. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. It is very clear. And I was like felt so so dumb that's sad interesting though do you have any did anyone have any opinions or thoughts on the fact that the fall of Cotane, this sort of monument to him that exists somewhere is kind of pulling in these gods that we've some of these names we've heard of i think there's um decembre mm-hmm. who uh the lord of tragedy if you will the lord of tragedy yes <laughs> There's oh, another yeah. name that we've heard. Beru, baby. Beru's there. Beru, 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 Beru Fend. Yes. <laughs> um, some some interesting names in there. Uh, any thoughts, India, on uh, the power of Coltane, maybe, and how he's dragging these gods to him? Um. <laughs> well, Josh, I wish that I had any. No, maybe ask me a different India, question. India, I. I I can't. I'm trying to throw you better questions than that one. I don't have really anything to say either other than kind of cool. You know, I don't really know what it means yet, though. Yeah, it didn't it didn't hit for me Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what was going on. I yeah, I still kind of don't the whole scene. And Peter, can you help me real quick? Because I was I mentioned just Desembray and half of him is on Earth. They said, can you remind me who that half is? Do we know who that half is? Yes. I, I, be, huh? I mean, it would be Desembalakis. Oh, is it who? Desembalakis. I no? was wondering that, but I can't remember who Desembalakis is. Yeah, I, of course, you're always having me tripping. We've met Desembre. I don't know what you're talking about with the halves on different things. Desembre is Decimal Tor. Yes, okay. I knew something. I, I wanted to say that, but then isn't Decimal Tor also the first sword? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So how is it that he is walking around on Earth, but then there's this other half of him in this realm, but also then in a later thing, we'll talk about tools talking about, you know, him being the first sword. Like th- this guy seems to be being pulled in three separate directions. Um, well, I think the tool thing's a little different, but I don't I don't really follow you with whatever with whatever you're getting caught on to me. I don't know. I mostly read this scene as like kind of not physical. It's not like our real world. Right. Not like the real world of the books. Um, I wish I had the I wish I had the book in front of me. I don't. Damn it. So I'm not caught up on whatever 
splitting or like if he's technically there or not. You know what I mean, maybe it's like an Elden Ring situation where like it's his spirit is in one spot, but then his physical body is another spot. But then also the memory of him is in another spot. You know, am I right, gamers? Am I right, gamers? Uh, um, while Josh looks for that quote, Silter's Ruin asks for a sword and is given a very cool sword. It's it sounds like. Yeah, that's pretty fucking sick. Um, a sword. A hus sword. Yeah. Who else has a hus sword currently? Here it is. Oh, okay. Shadow Throne makes reference to the fact that part of Dasenbrae wanders the mortal world, and the worst of him remains there. That's mm. a thing Shadow Throne says to Dasenbrae. Interesting. Yes. I knew I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I think I still read that as not a literal thing. Do you mean is it the okay? Is he saying that he's like retained a connection to his humanity or something? I definitely think it's a literal thing. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. So you were saying on this Hust sword, AJ. Sorry. Yeah. Well, somebody else has one. And who is that? That would be the Hust sword that Yedin Derig found on uh, the first shore. Uh-huh. And the Hust sword is the sword that was thrown into the water by, I thought Silchus Ruin, but I think we agreed it was somebody else. And I can't remember who we agreed it was. Could not tell you. Back at the original, uh, the original battle at the shore. Sure. There is that mention of after the battle, they throw a broken sword in the water. Hmm. But there is a, that is, I believe that's the Hust sword that is picked up by Yed and Derek. But then there's this one here. And the Husts, it seems like, are either just a variety of sword or maybe the people who made the sword. Unclear. Probably doesn't matter. Probably just a word Steve picked to differentiate these swords, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's definitely like a category of a type of sword. Yeah. Um, and now India... I know we've not gotten to this yet, but I, I want to do a little role play of the scene when uh, <laughs> Rune comes back to boy whose name starts with the R that Peter's going to remind me of name of. Rudalal. Uh, Rudalal, okay. is that his name? <laughs> That's Yes, Rudalal. Nailed it. Uh, okay, so India, I'm going to be, Ru- you're going to be Rudalal and I'm going to be Silchus Ruin. Okay, I'm going to come back after, after having found a sword for you. Ready? Okay. <clears throat> Rude law, I've returned. Sorry, hold on. So just ruin. That's right. So just ruin. Hello, rude. Uh, I'm back. Hey. The 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 mission to get a sword was a success. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, you're gonna take one of my old swords. Oh. <laughs> and then oh. stage directions. You notice a really fucking sick new sword that Silchus Ruin has. <gasps> wow. Exactly. <laughs> All right, India's too pure for this. I thought I was hoping India would show a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of like scene. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to one of our master classes here on the Ten Very Big Books Podcast Network. You can get that type of voiceover audio acting advice. It it had kind of an an avocado. Thanks, energy to it. That's what it was. You dated yourself. I was just getting at, I'm I'm curious if when Silchus Ruin returns with a badass new sword and then just gives one of his old ones to Rudalal, if there's if that's going to create a little bit of a divide between the two. <laughs> I'm right. sure I that, thought you were my cool uncle. You know, <sighs> I just wish I would have gotten a script beforehand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This director's a little a little tough. They they love the improv. I understand. Um, it's like it's it's like curb, you know? Um, Shadow Throne, <laughs> Cotillion, does anyone have further ideas what they're up to? Well, there's this whole thing on I sent her off to get the biggest, meanest one. That's gotta be Absalar, right? Absalar's on her way to kill somebody. I'm fucking hoping so. Right? 
But who's the biggest, meanest one? Mysteries remain. This brings me to the <laughs> section that is yet. You just wanted to get through that to get Do to the end part. Do we all love Yet and Derek or not? Yeah, he's a little fatalist for me. Wow. <laughs> oh man, I just took the wind out of Pete's sails. I'm. I love Yet and Derek, Pete. I just he's <laughs> Yedin's great, and this all this stuff is good. My official opinion. What did you like um, so much about it? I don't, India, it's a great question. And now I never before have I been so seriously like, wait, am I going to love Carcanus? Do you know what I mean? Which is <laughs> oh my not, God. Which is not like a, a thought I really had up until rereading The Crippled God this time around. And I thought it the second time I read it and now I'm thinking on the third. And like, I don't know, these sections are popping so hard to me personally, probably the most of the book. And then we can talk more, but I just think Withal is such a great character. I love his and Sandala True Corlat's relationship. Then the central kind of Jan Tova storyline works great for me. I don't know. I'm just going on and on. But I am so into it. And also everything on the first shore is fucking badass as hell. My opinion. Yeah. What about the yeah. part where he's eating cheese? Like the- <laughs> fucking eats it in a cool hot way okay cool hot it is way. A, yeah aj because it wasn't cool until withel's like i didn't think we'd had any cheese and it's like yun and Derek ate the last bite Plopped the last don't. bit into his mouth <laughs> chewed a moment we- swallowed and then said we don't yeah that's <laughs> fucking hard all right <laughs> uh, i do love it um peter you know it's very it's very good very over the top so the plants to let a dragon get half through, right? Yeah. We're going to fall back enough that the Leosian have enough space to get a dragon half through. And then that's when Psyche, we weren't getting pushed back, will kill all of them, trap the dragon, and use its magic to seal the portal. Foolproof. Foolproof. I see no room no issues. for improvements. Yeah. One small caveat, Pete, and I know you're kind of yetting Derrick standing right now. Who's fighting that dragon in your mind? I have no official comment. Uh huh, but like, if you had to pick someone, yeah, um, why do you I have, have no official? I have because India, I've read this book before. Actually, do you have I any unofficial comments? Um, yeah, here, Peter, Peter, hey, AJ, AJ, yeah. AJ, use the ones and twos. We're we're not recording. Everyone agrees we're not recording right oh, now, right? Is this off the record? This is off the record. We said it. That's legally binding. All um, right. Okay, Peter, Peter, who would you want to fight? Who would you want to fight, Dragon? Um, Waluigi. <laughs> God damn it. We got him. <laughs> I didn't know you had a soundboard, AJ. I don't. Discord has introduced a soundboard and it's oh, gonna be bad. You shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Open I, soundboard. I, I wasn't. I noticed it. <laughs> I noticed it like 20 minutes ago and I was like, I cannot say a word, but this was too good of a setup. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm gonna find so many sounds to add to this guy's soundboard. (laughs) Unfortunately, I think having a soundboard would make us all enjoy making the show way more, but make the audio of the podcast (laughs) almost unlistenable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I think that was pretty good. Fucking (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um. I'm so excited. All right. Uh, Time to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. Hold on. We're not going to talk about uh, Twilight seeing everything go to shit and be like, no, fuck this. We're going to fight because that's that's also hard as hell. Are you what? It is pretty good. But like AJ, what's she going to do if not kneel and just give her blood to the shore? 
anytime anyone has ever said, Josh, I need your blood right now. For the show. It. it doesn't matter. Anytime someone's needed my blood, right. I give it. How are how are you guys feeling about Jan Tovis in this moment with the kneeling? India, how how do you feel about that decision? I feel like, well, I would, would kneel. You kneel. I would kneel. Would you not? Would all of you not kneel? AJ, go first. I have long thoughts. Um, I mean, I, if I was, if I was, uh, Atropita Yantovis, also known as Twilight, my moral compass and sense of duty, I believe that I would not kneel. But if you're asking AJ, I don't think I would be alive still. Okay. That's facts. So, That's facts. Well, if AJ, we're safe, we're AJ thinking. going to say I'll have died. I will have died. I'll start with, I'm a people pleaser. You know your boy would kneel. I would definitely kneel. 100%. But I, what I want to say is I love this scene because there's so much in this book series about the repetitive cyclical nature of humanity and empires. And I love that in this book, there seem to be two women examples of fighting against that. And I see one of them, obviously, as Tavor with her whole thing. And there might be, there's, there's way more. I mean, like most of these armies are led by women. But um, I really like this scene of Twilight saying, my people did this once and look where it led us. There is nothing ha history has shown me to at all prove to me that this doesn't lead us anywhere other than being cast out again as some, you know, misguided half-breed. And so she will not kneel. The shore needs her more than she needs it, you know, mm. and uh, I love it. And I can't wait to see what happens. Mm. Rousing speech, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. So we're all kneeling. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're yeah, all yeah. kneeling. At the end of the day, we're just a bunch of kneelers. Yeah. Yeah, I need it. Yeah. Let's see, is there a kneel soundboard? No, I. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> all right, let's let's see. God damn it. We're going we're going to the Patreon. And away! All right, this week's patrons that were excited to just kind of like fucking hype up, you know, because they're cool people doing cool stuff with their money. Yeah. Those people are Andrew, Wesley, and John. Thank you so much for your support. As always, if you want to check out our Patreon, there's stuff up there. <laughs> um, but now let's move on to the next chapter. Chapter 9. Tak finds the corpse of a woman with no feet, hint hint, but realizes her soul is gone. He receives a vision from someone. It's pretty weird, but when it's over, he takes the corpse with him and opens his eye that isn't actually there. There's a scene of a woman on a horse next to a huge guy on a horse. It's kind of confusing. Torrent and company are still having a bad time with Olar Athiel, who is growing irritated by Tool's refusal to heed her summons. She resorts to threatening to harm his children, but somehow Tak is able to interrupt her mental threats and warns her against it. She laughs at his threats until she runs into a group of undead riders blocking her path. That's right, y'all, Whiskey Jack is back and he chases her away. Unfortunately for Torrent, that leaves her mad and he's the easiest target for her anger. There's a lot of shit here with Tool and other Talani Mass. Tool's angst is at risk of killing those he leads. The sheer power of his anger is too much for them to withstand. He reflects on Logros and his exile after being ordered to surrender the title of First Sword to Dasim Ultor. There's a ton of exposition here, and it's all incredibly sad. 
The vibes are not tight with the Talani mass. Gruntle is in a cave thinking about being a tiger and how they're kind of shittier than the other animals that later war gods took as their own. What on earth is his story leading towards? Mappo flashes back to one of Ikarium's accidents and the aftermath. His childlike confusion is so upsetting and Mappo just redirects him to the next place, the next task, and it's heartbreaking. Faint and her group find the trail of the armies and set off to catch up with the one that's least likely to be their death. Setok rides with her wolves to the beast hold, embracing her role as Destrian. We see the Forkle assail's ambitions through the eyes of one of their own, Equity. Even within these justice-focused monsters, factions rise and fall. Sister Reverence comes upon Shirk's group and a fight ensues. Several crew members are killed with no effort, but the Handmaiden is another story. The fight is vicious, and even with the Assail's voice throwing her back, the Handmaiden does not surrender. A brief ceasefire ensues, and Reverence demands that the group tell her where the Jagat is. Everyone is confused by this, but knowing they can't defeat Reverence, Falash plays ball and opens up Amtos Falak. To the shock of everyone, Hood steps out. Reverence quickly tries to mentally communicate what she's seeing to Calm, but then Hood literally eats her fucking face off. Absolutely metal way to end a chapter. So we start off with Tak really in his own feelings, thinking about a lot of things that happened in his life, doing so over a corpse that <laughs> this guy over here was too dumb to realize whose it was. <laughs> Uh, and when I, you know, when the Toriri told me who it was, I went back and reread it and I was like, well, fuck me. This is now so much even worse and more sad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. India, do you think, uh, do you think there's hope for our boy talk? Do you think he redeems himself? Yes. I think he redeems himself because this is a story about compassion. I just have a feeling that it's going to be a positive ending. Mm-hmm. Also, I like that. Let's be clear about is this what's uh Hetan? This is Hetan's yeah, body. That's what I thought. It that's is, what I thought. I yeah. thought because of the missing feet situation. Um, I'm kind of shocked that you missed that. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty quick shocked in the update. that you missed that. I when I read both this and the Coltane thing, I was like, was I just not fucking reading these chapters? Like, <laughs> what? What's up? I was a little upset with myself. The Coltane, I didn't um, get either. But, yeah. you know, charred woman, no feet. It, there's only yeah. one. Yeah. There's only yeah. the one. Yeah, that is that is true. <laughs> and uh, AJ, when he opened up his eye that's not there. Yeah. The tour reread called it his wolf eye. And I like with a, you know, a, his with a capital W. And I was like, is this a thing we know he can do? You know what I mean? Well, we knew his other eye could see things that his regular eye can't. I forget. I think that's Reaper's Gale, maybe. No, you're right. Um, that is ringing a bell. We know that he had like special powers in that bad eye. I don't remember if we know that it's exclusively connected to the wolves, but I could see Ooh. that being a thing that's like, well, yeah, this one and looks now- like a wolf eye. But it says this one says, uh, uh, but the end of the, the section says then opened the missing one. So 
I right, because like the missing really one there. is his. That's the wolf eye. Like the I know, eye but I feel is, like if, yeah. if it was like then if it was his wolf eye and there was like an eye in there, it wouldn't say the missing one. Because right, was, that's what can, that's what confuses. Yeah, me. that's what confuses me also. But we do know that the other his other eye, his bad eye, his, whatever his eye, yeah, that is torn out or whatever can like see you know through realms or something. All right, I don't know. and now I have just seen through realms. I have come. <laughs> I have just decided on a called shot. I know we don't have much of this book series yeah. left, but I was just sitting here and I was like. Pretty crazy that we have so many wolf characters, right? We've got these gray helms that are wolfy. We've got uh, a little bit later uh, Setok, who's very wolfy. Mm. I was like, crazy that Tok is too. And then I was like, oh, maybe Tok's just going to become the shield anvil after Tanakalian dies horribly somehow based on later events that we've seen. Mm. And then he just becomes the new uh, shield anvil of them, mm. of uh, the wolf gods. Mm. That would be fucking wild. But I guess he's also in service to Hood. So it's a toughie. Definitely a toughie. <laughs> little bit of a toughie. I don't know, but there's too many wolves in this story. Actually, I take it back. Never too many wolves. I was going to say, I'm stories. pretty hyped with how many wolves are in this chapter specifically. Actually. Yes. And India, would you say you're a lone wolf? No. More of an alpha, a beta? No, um, I've always been uh, called an alpha, literally. So I definitely am an alpha. Well, that's in your Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah, is it? <laughs> no, but I just okay, love I the idea. I couldn't tell of, if it was a gag or not either. <laughs> no, I just love the idea of it's like India Jones, New York, New York, Alpha. Alpha, period. <laughs> Let me actually add that. <laughs> the, the wolf science has been disproven, just so we all know. That's true. Uh, yeah, that sounds. May I'm going to choose not to believe you because I love the wolf science. So. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just not up to date. Yeah. You know, maybe our understanding of. Uh, this whole talk section is extremely sad, even uh, removed from the Hattan stuff. Um, talk is just just really sad. Um, the part where he's talking to the old woman and he smells wax in the fire. Mm. Like, is this a reference to the wax witches from fucking Gardens of the Moon? Like, what are we doing? Oh, my God. Wait, when's that even happen? Uh, he sees a lady sitting in front of a oh, fire. Oh, his vision in his vision. Yeah, his and she vision. rips out her eye, throws it in. It's like, do you smell that? It is wax in the fire. <laughs> like okay this lady's a wax witch i guess okay trying to god there was a wax witch in the very first fucking chapter yes this is the first like 10 pages insane. of the book um part of me wondered he called didn't he call her mother in one part or something like crazy <sighs> he calls her a thing and i almost wondered if she if he was talking to silver fox i don't know why i thought that nece necessarily i'm trying to remember i'm going back to the reread i do feel like i also got some silver fox vibes and i don't remember why that might have been from tool though no i think not the words cuz it loosed the wolf within you and one day you shall find her i wonder maybe i mean look maybe if it's the wolf you know loose the wolf and you'll find her maybe he's trying to track down hatan's soul somewhere and bring her back or at least in the afterlight, reunite her with Tool if he, uh, you know, gets his rest. Yeah. Um, Something like that. It's very confusing. Yeah. Then the lady says love lives here and keeps calling him ghost. And the book puts a capital G. So that's fun. Is talk about to get a new name? Like what's happening? I don't know. Crazy stuff. Um, <sighs> anyway. And almost as inscrutable as that. And I was just actually, let me rephrase. Even worse than that is the next scene of two people <laughs> on horses in a warren somewhere. Yeah. Any guesses? Maybe, I don't know, maybe the girl is Absalar because she has been sent somewhere. Right. But like, to deal with who would she be with? And man, now I say it, man, what if it's Kalam? 
What if it's downtown Kalam coming back? He was saved. What if it's the two greatest fucking assassins of this goddamn book series riding side by side? Yeah. Uh, She'd ridden into the face of sandstorms. Gods she damned near spat into the face of the whirlwind itself. Uh, Which feels like a clue. (laughs) Mm, That does feel like a clue. I mean, Absalar was there in book two. Uh, And the whirlwind happened. The world one happened, yeah, in book two, two and, and four, book yeah. two and four. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where she was in book four. She was somewhere around there in four because she met up with Perrin and all that shit. Maybe, guys, that'd be fucking nuts if that's Kalam and Absalar going somewhere. Yeah, there might be too much of a called shot though, but I can hope. Now I want to like dive into this discussion. Uh, yeah, it's Peter. Good can see. I just like look ahead real quick? He says it's good to see you again, <laughs> and she says, "You idiot! Does he even know you're here?" Oh my god, it's gotta be. It's fucking gotta be Absalar and Kalam because Cotillion knows he sent Absalar and she's like, Does he know you're here? So he like impl- oh my god. It's yeah, but were they be. like were they bros? Was that were Absalar and Kalam bros? I thought they were enemies. No, but they were friendly. They were in Seven Cities together. I don't remember anything about their relationship. India said they're enemies. I don't remember I don't remember a single thing about their interactions. In book two, they reconciled somewhat on that trip. When they were going through trying to find the Azath house, the dead. Um, I need to know the one in book two. India, so, don't do it. In, that, India's got a India's got a wiki face if I've ever seen one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down a W hole. Watch it, India. Anyway, uh, it's a K hole, but it's W I capital K Wikipedia <laughs> hole. <laughs> Oh my Hole. god, AJ. That's all uh, right. That's anyway, should we move on? Yeah, please. All right. Um, oh, a keyhole. Yeah. With K. Oh, a keyhole. I get it. What's the what do you think most DJs name their son? Eric. Eric. <laughs> Kid told me that today. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. That's good. It's a good one. <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> we, we gotta keep going. Um all right um let's move on uh, a little manic today i'm so sorry aj this uh there's several scenes with olara Thiel here first yeah. there's a conversation she has with torrent and we see a little bit about the dynamic in that camp and then she reaches out and makes contact with tool and there's a longer conversation there how are you feeling about olara Thiel, and which one of these interactions stood out to you um i didn't really like I've reached a point with the Olara Thiel scenes where they're all kind of just like, and now Olara Thiel's going to be mean and yell at somebody for four pages and then going to uh, assault Torrent in some way. Yes. And that's how this section's going to end. So that's like, it, it, you know, I mean, the stuff she's saying is like interesting, I suppose, but it like, it, it just feels like we are retreading some of the same ground kind of over and over and over again, especially with Tool, because it's like, hey, do the stuff I want you to do. And Tool's like, no. And she's like, you idiot. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna make you do it. And he's like, no. And then that's it. <laughs> like that's what the sections are. I did think it was cool when Talk was like, don't do that, shakes finger. Uh and she's yeah, like, yes. fuck you. You can't tell me what to do. And Tool's like, if you hurt my daughters, I'll literally turn you into uh, a shard of glass. I will condense the your fucking dust body down into a shard of glass uh and then throw you into the ocean. I thought that was cool. <laughs> but uh no, that's all I got from these Olara Thiel sections. She's just rude and then attacks Torrent and then 
we move I, on. I totally hear what you're saying, AJ. I think yeah. there's a similar vibe. Um, but I think she's, she's a real so unlikable. I think she's a great villain. She's really standing out to me. It's definitely However, a good villain, and, and the parts are definitely like well written, and I enjoy reading them and stuff. I just feel like we've been twiddling fingers of like evil fingers for for a while now, you know. And I'm like, let's let's do something with her. Yeah, I like the fight she got in with. Uh, that's a cool fight. Like, that's a cool fight. The fight she got in, in the last book, like, that's sick. And I was like, okay, cool. We're actually doing something. But now we're just back to where we were with some extra characters. Do you think any part of her has Power Rangers villain energy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh, she's, re- I mean, she's what Rita is she Repulsa? if not Rita Repulsa? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. That's, that's, a, that's how she talks, seeing... too. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see if I can find any. <laughs> I need to find a quote yeah. now. While you're, while you're looking for a quote. I do want to say if there's anything good about her, it's that we get to see you whiskey jack. You understand what I seek for you and all your kin. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good Rita. I was going to say, I don't think I, I have a good... Honestly, that was better than I expected. We refuse. <laughs> oh, AJ, that's a good Rita. Anyway. We do get to see a little, little whiskey jack yeah, coming back. back with the gang. There's just a lot of undead people mm-hmm. in on this continent right now. Mm-hmm. I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I do also wonder, like, where's the rest? I know a lot of those undead armies didn't fare that well at last book, but where are they all at? Yes, India. I just want to say that if I knew that in these books you could die and come back, it would have been a lot less upsetting when said characters (laughs) died. Yeah, Mm. I wish there was no reason to cry in Memories of Ice. None. <laughs> I said it. I still think, even if they come back, I still think those deaths are upsetting. For what? They're back. They're fine. And you know what? Well, He's so okay. in love. I'll push back a little bit, because they're dead still. Of it. Now, if at the end of this book, if they just get to come Hedge fucking all the way back. Hedge isn't dead anymore. Is Hedge still dead? Well, Hedge is touche. Hedge is an edge case. <laughs> But that's kind of also Hedge's whole thing. It's like, oh, I was dead and now I'm not. And this kind of sucks. I kind of hate it, actually. Drama. Uh, and it's kind of the opposite with Tool, right? He was undead and then was alive and then almost dead again. And now and he's talk. kind of run the gamut. And Talk. Huh? Talk, too. Talk, is also, talk also has a weird, like, resurrection cycle. <laughs> yeah, Talk's a yeah, very interesting case. India, I really agree with you in a lot of ways. Um, to me, ultimately, I don't feel that bothered by it. But I do think you're correct that, like, the majority of the time, 70% of the time, they're going to come back or something. And then what's tough is, like, there is, like, a 30 40% of characters who die and, like, that's the end of their story full stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Seems a little unfair. But- but but I do agree. But the thing is, I, Josh, feel like that those sections still really move me. And I, you know, I'm not like I don't feel like I shouldn't have cried in book three. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, So no, I was I was just going for the bit. It's still real sad. All right. Whatever. Um, don't don't fall back on this. Josh is bullshit. <laughs> stand to your guns. Pleaser, India. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. <laughs> now there you go. Let's go. <laughs> God, I'm going to get that tattooed right on my chest. (laughs) I would say I a lot of this book series have done a very good job with incomprehensible sadness. But we're in book 10 and it's a little much now with school. (laughs) But on top of it, 
there was a lot of exposition about the low gross. AJ, do you feel like we need this book 10 low gross <laughs> exposition for something? Or do you think Steve was like, I had all this really good lore. I gotta, gotta get it out there. Josh, I've got to tell you, I retained none of it. So yeah. So that's kind of where I end up with the Locros lore. So was there anything particularly interesting that you wanted to pull out and like kind of wave in front of my face? No, I just want I want to know if you think it's going to be important or if Steve was like, we they've they've got I've I've got notes. Uh, I, I feel like maybe know. it'll be important. Like uh, pause, AJ, pause, AJ, pause, AJ. Peter is fully <laughs> in their room. Muted absolutely having a blast <laughs> and i just it's a really a pleasure to watch no they're not muted they're just oh okay mouthing well, words dark tell, ooh, oh my god oh my god that's right baby christ yeah, that I was just looking ahead. I agree with a lot of what you said, Josh. But I'm just just my guy's coming up. I see him right around the corner, Ben. Do you know, <laughs> he's right there. I can almost touch him. We can jump to that, Peter. I actually just fully skipped over it in my summary because I I just kind of grouped it together with Josh. Not a ton happens, but every time he steps on screen, my eyes perk up. And can you tell me yeah, why in, I don't know, seven words, what about Ulog Tug Till really mm. gets you going? Mm. Well, Ulog's a maverick. Um, he's a self-starter. Two. And motivated. Three. Wow. Great resume okay. on Ulog. And that's you said why, everything and nothing. That's why I think he would be a big asset to your organization. How does he deal with conflict? Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. So the thing is this, Ulog is a diplomatic person and he tries to understand both sides of the conversation focus on outcome oriented suggestions mm -hmm. and do you think ulog has a talent for sort of um ingratiating himself or sort of uh, assimilating into a larger uh organization in order to feel at home with the rest of the uh the crew here no no um as i said earlier ulog's a maverick and if you bring him on board, he will kind of disrupt the organization oh. and kind of bring it in a new direction. <laughs> He's a disruptor. Um, yeah, a because he doesn't play by everyone else's rules. And that's what's brought him this huge track record of success. Yeah. Also, I'm dying. Can we stop this bit? My whole body hurts. I okay. don't want to do it. <laughs> Are you sick or something? No, I just hate business. I don't want to. Oh, okay. I don't want to be job interview at night. OK. All right. All right. All right. We'll jump. We'll jump. Whew, we're in a cave. What's that? Gruntles there. It's tigers, lions, bears. Oh, anyway, what do you think India is the superior animal of war? We're going to we're going to do real quick brackets. Tiger versus boar. Boar. All right, AJ, you've got boar versus wolf. Boar. All right, Peter, you've got boar versus man. Boar. All right, <laughs> folks. <laughs> That's three out of three. Bring him in, ladies and gents. All right, can you give me some boar noises here, AJ? Uh, I got. I'll do you yeah, one better. Yeah. Oh, that's right, Banner. All right. Uh, I didn't think when we met Gruntle in book three that seven books from now he'd be thinking, ah, 
maybe Tiger isn't the most bad. <laughs> it's just a really interesting. Tiger kind of sucks. Yeah. Could have fucking tusks. <laughs> I'm going to just jump through a few things. I'm fine to move Mappa. on past that section. I did just want to say the whole Gruntel thing. Um, and we could talk about it a little later with the parish stuff. Just like the whole like various gods of war people observing war from these different points of view and all these kind of organizations or orders dedicated to them and this kind of changing of the different gods of war throughout the last books and then you see this is actually very present in these this final volume as well has really kind of been on my mind recently as i've been reading it so nice just wanted to share i'm gonna type a couple few a uh, couple loose ends here so we have Mapo, some flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Really sad, but still beautiful. The relationship with the Carrion. Yeah, so he's sad. on a path. He's on a path to be theoretically in conflict, I believe, with the Forkless Sail in some way because they have a Carrion. Right, that's him. Faint and that group, wherever their importance may be, still on their path to. I believe they're trying to follow the ones not going through the desert. So they would theoretically be linking up with either the Marines or uh, the other Allied armies. We have Setok riding with her wolves to the beast hold. Probably pretty important given what happens next chapter. And then we get to the super metal scene. And really the focus is on this reveal that Hood is here and for all intents and purposes, maybe alive for the first time in quite some time. And if not alive, certainly he seemed less spectral. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but that's kind of the vibe I got from it. Um, India, you were speaking before on your thoughts on, you know, the impermanency of death. What do you think it says about a universe where the god of death is able to avoid his own fate? Yeah, um, that just, it just doesn't really seem, it just, there are no rules. And I just don't like when there are no rules. That's how I feel. But like, who makes the rules, you know? The, The writer of the book. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay okay well if we're talking about the if we're talking about the book then yes, <laughs> yes no no i, I understand that. no i mean i don't know like i guess people don't have to die in this fucking malazan world and that's fine and the god of death can also come back to life and not be dead but still be a god of death how does that make sense make it make sense yeah yeah. Is and there we, even a, is a there little place real- anymore or they all nobody dies anymore? Like what the fuck so is that's going what on? I was so that's what I had sort of brought up earlier, India, is I think that's a big question I personally have after the events of two books ago. Is that two books? No, last, last book. book. Well it depends what, just, what event you're talking about. Uh no, from Toll the Hounds. Yeah, the fight was, was two books that's ago. Two, two books ago. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> what happened last book? Anyway, <laughs> that's how I feel some days. Um I feel like after that fight from two books ago, seeing Hood, I guess, what was it? He died, went into the sword. No, Rake died, went into the sword. Hood was killed first, though. Is that what, am I remembering that correctly, AJ? Um, Hood was killed. No, because I think. Hood does die. Yeah, but didn't Hood like come to get Rake or something? Oh, God. Peter, can you remind us, possibly, some of the stuff from Toll the Hounds? I don't know if the exact order really matters. My memory is that Amanda Riggs shows up. Yeah. Uh, he walks up, kills Hood. Uh, That's what I was oh. trying to remember. Okay. Then he goes, finds Dasim Altor. Yes. The two of them duel. Yes. Dasim deflects the sword into Anamander. Yes. That's right. 
because Hood shows up and it's like Hood's here, stab, and that's it. Like that's that's the yeah. It's a very quick. Um, I think yes. he may even cut his head off. Uh, I don't remember how. Yeah, yeah sure. I can't remember. Okay, and I'm reading a little bit of the wiki from that book, but we do see Hood at the end of that. But I guess my question is, if you kill the God of Death. Is he and the God of Death was, you know, mobilizing his armies at that time? I guess, that, yeah, India, I don't know. It's a we're coming back to your question of like, are people still going to his realm? If I remember correctly, earlier in this book, we we heard that Whiskey Jack was guarding the his realm. Yeah, we do see Whiskey Jack, etc., in front of the the gate. Like, hey, this is our like job. No, now. Pa- no entry, right? No, pa- I can't remember. I don't remember. Book, these books are long. Yeah. Forget please. I, I feel like Hood being dead doesn't necessarily mean that death is gone. It just means that Hood is no longer the god of death, quote unquote. Because I don't and feel do like we, Hood yeah. was the first god of death, right? Like, Well, ooh, I can't remember that. Well, okay. Okay. So that's a good question. And I I had forgotten about this, but... In the in this scene, uh, the Forkless Sail says to you, or says you know the, the the Jack Hut made Jack Hut made him their king, and you know he was the king of the Jack Huts that fought against death itself, mm. um, and that led to him becoming mm-hmm. the god of death. So go. that meant that maybe before death was unchecked or had no god or no form, unclear. Yeah, I don't really know if we have a good idea, and if we did, it was two books ago, so it's hard sure. to say. But uh, I, I gotta say, I don't know if there's any other god I'd want on my team than Shadow Throne, Cotillion, and Hood. That seems like a pretty fucking tight trio to have on your side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also pretty interesting, I mean, Indy, I know you've not read, you know, the most fantasy, but I wonder if you've noticed this sort of interesting factions being made where the quote-unquote good guys in this story no, they're the good guys in the story. The good guys in the story are the gods of death, shadow, and assassins. And from what we see, the good guys are like, you know, the god of light, the new god of light. Because the, the old bad one, guys? that was kind of, the bad guys are the god of light. And it's kind of really setting up an interesting, I mean, you know, it's not the most in-depth thing, but it is a nice change of pace. No, I didn't think of that. I didn't notice that. That is an interesting, I never, but to be fair, I also, it took, to consider anyone good guys versus bad guys here is like kind of my thing because, you know, they all mm-hmm. did some pretty shitty shit. Granted, <laughs> granted, I guess like if you're looking at the larger picture, they are the good guys. But yeah, I think what I'm learning here is that, you know, there's levels to this shit. You're not all good. You're not all bad. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. my takeaway. Any closing thoughts, Peter? Any questions you want to pose about this final uh big reveal in this scene no it's cool to learn jagat lore um are we going to talk about the ending now <laughs> or did you want to talk about the set talk stuff no i mean ten thousand wolves I is mean, cool she needs ten thousand swords uh, so which means ten thousand wolves with swords that's fucking sick let's go oh my god we've already have lizards with swords <laughs> can you imagine just ten thousand wolves with a sword in their mouth yeah. fuck that'd be god, adorable <laughs> All right, um, listen, I know there's a lot of Shit. stuff going on here and you, we hear a lot about plans and like kind of what the past is like in the Fork of sale. Really cool section. Just wanted to quick say chomp, 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 little snack, little snack. I just, I love, I've learned a lesson in brevity. Hood coming in for a little chomp, chomp. 
And actually, can I say, <laughs> that's oh. more terrifying to know that any jacket we've met at any point could just eat a forkless sales face. Really puts in perspective how fucking yoked these guys are. Yeah, well, we taught there's a part here where referee gets hit with a sword and it's like, yeah, it just bounces off like they hit yeah. a, a block of metal. And it's like, oh, okay, right. shit. And he just chomp chomp eats her face. Yeah, I just always I don't know about you guys. I always imagine the Jaga tusks as just like almost little vampire fangs, just like little guys hanging out above the lips. <laughs> oh, that's not at all. But I like that image. So uh, Hood is a Jag cut. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How long have we known that? Sometimes. It's, it's sprinkled in, but it's laid on thick in book eight. When I tell you, I don't I don't view any of these characters as they're described. If you asked sure. me to draw any one of them, I have a feeling they would just not at all look anything yeah. like how they're actually described. I will say the Jagged are the only ones I have an image from. And to me, it's because I've just made them all World of Warcraft orcs. Yep. Those are big. World of Warcraft orcs, and then the all the Tyst are different wrong. color are, are are the different elves from yes. World of Warcraft. The Leosians are blood elves. That's yeah. right. A hundred percent. Guys, they are obviously the trolls. What are you talking about? The jacket of the trolls? They're too fucking yoked, dude. I, have you seen the trolls though? They they got the that trolls, like lean. The trolls to me are so gangly. That, they're closer to goddamn Forkel of Sale, right? If you the, call me a troll, the had trolls, bendy elbows. The trolls are tall. That's one of their things. The yeah. jagged are tall. Yeah, but if you just scaled up an orc, like yeah. That's Do any? Or is there any like? Have I missed out on any like interspecies relations? Yeah, there's there's definitely characters. Yeah, like I mean, that. Um, whiskey jack like and sandalith. You know, I just like I just don't think that I would ever oh, find. Yeah. A World of Warcraft orc sexy. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh, well, you've not looked at the right videos, India. <laughs> wow. I, was, I would kiss an orc, to be clear. I'd love you an orc would kiss, kiss an orc? How? There's yeah, such big mouths, AJ. Yeah, we and just tusks. gotta purse our lips. You gotta come between yeah. the tusks. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, you gotta do it carefully. <laughs> okay, I just wanna say... <laughs> oh, it, God. If okay, orc, I'm looking down the horde playlist. Easily the most kissable race option. Orc? Oh, you know, yeah. of all the horde race, well, blood elves. Blood, uh, blood elves, elves I, yeah. Vanilla, Josh, please. Yeah. What? Oh, all, you're okay, right. Why you're right. Blood elf? Peter could never. You're not gonna kiss the Tarans. That sounds like a big lift, my guy. That That's, sounds like a big yeah. They lift. lift you up because they're all so strong. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about AJ. They lift me up and <laughs> kiss me in their big arms. Look, if you've ever listened to my other podcast, Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show, or game episode where we play games that we've missed out on, I love a strong person and a lady that has the energy uh, of somebody who could beat me up. Oh. So. I understand how you chose your partner. Because <laughs> Tara would whoop your ass. <laughs> it's not about um, uh, physical prowess, Josh. It is just about the bringing that energy, you know? Okay. Anyway, um, all right, let's go to chapter 10. <laughs> all right, the jacket ship uh, is cool. Jacket ship is cool. Chapter 10. Aaronic and Breeze are having relationship issues, mostly due to them being in the absolute most depressing situation imaginable. They ride off to meet with their Kachain Shamal allies. Their standard bearer in tow, holding aloft the new imperial banner. An incredible copy of Tehol's blanket. The armies meet 
and Stormy and Gessler immediately try to shirk responsibility and give command to Brees. Unfortunately for them, the adjunct gave Brees explicit commands to make sure that Stormy and Gessler lead their combined force. The Allies speak some more, and everyone is creeped out by Sin. Grub, though, is somewhat chiller for once. As they depart, Brees reveals to Aranek that Stormy and Gessler are as close to becoming gods as he's ever seen, and they are holding on to their humanity for dear life. Aranek and Brees believe that Grub is their only hope, and that he must be Sin's humanity for their plan to work. Then Brees breaks down and shares his death journey with Aranek. Finally, we see some positive relationship work in this series. Talk to your partner, people. As the Greyhelm set up camp, Tanakalian springs the trap he has spent so long preparing. He forces Krugava into a verbal spar and has prepared the perfect answer to her every response. She is left reeling, and Tanakalian becomes the de facto leader of their army. To his shock, though, Krugava sets off on her own, saying that when he regains his humanity, she'll be waiting. She goes to Queen Abrastal and Spax, and the three discuss what it is that Tavor could be depending on for her plan to work. Krugava says she has seen it in her dreams. Tavor's ultimate weapon. Compassion. But there is not enough. Folks, we're going to get a we're going to get into a little game I like to call Who's That Actor? Peter has just sent us a fan casting of Tanakalian and Josh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a few I'm going to give you a few films they've been in. I want you to tell me who you think Peter has has casted as Tana Cowan. You ready? I think here's what we should do. We should all pick one movie as a hint. Okay. I, I, know, go f- I, I know what movie I'm picking. Okay. <laughs> me too. I do too as soon as I find it remember what it is. Who gets to but go I first? Know. Oh, I got Does it. Does the character have to have the energy of no, Tana just Cowan? an actor who's no. in all these movies. All right. Okay, Peter, go first. They star in the movie Click. All right. They are an incredible character in Joe Dirt. They star in the beautiful um, musical Hairspray. Fuck, that was mine. Shit. Uh, hold on. I've got one. I've got one. Now. Hold on. I have one that'll break it wide open. Uh, they are in a Fat Boy Slim music video. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. All right, folks. Wow. Lock in your answers. Five, four. Three, two, hit me with it, Peter. I just think the sections, the Tanakali and stuff, so good in this section. And I know we're jumping right there because we split into this fan casting bit. I don't know how you guys felt. I don't know how suspicious you were Peter, about Tanakali. You have to say the, the name of the character. That's why I threw it to you. You have to say the person. I was going to get to it. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know how you guys felt. I don't know if you were suspicious of Tanakali. I don't know if you agreed that Christopher Walken would do a great job. That's right, folks. It's Christopher Walken. 
Now, if you got that right, you're going to write in to AJ Faleri. Yeah. Send them your name and address, and they will get back to you post-haste with your congratulatory okay. postcard. Satire. It's that a satire. shirtless <laughs> picture of Josh. Uh, it's fine. But, like, can we talk about... Lean it, lean Yeah, let's talk, go let's for talk it. about the book. Let's talk about it. Well, we let's start second half second. Yes. You... So first half first? No, I guess I meant second, <laughs> second half, half first. first. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so we're talking about this incredible scene in the Grey Helms camp. I did not I did not even do come close to doing it justice in the recap because it is the I would say I've not read a section of this series faster than I read this because every moment we've spent with Tenacalian, I've been like so on edge and for it to mm. finally just fucking nut i was so happy <laughs> that we that i just had to get through it peter go oh, I josh get it. learns edge. the pleasures of edging that's what that's what your bit is going to be in the show notes this week you guys are fucking rowdy today i'm i'm doing i was doing me riding the roller coaster the oh, roller coaster of emotions yeah yeah so, that's never mind what was that india i was follow i was i was rowdy and i took it back and i reined it in AJ, yeah. did you think during this scene, did were you convinced that Tenacalian was going to win? I personally thought that Krugava was going to come out better than she did. How did you feel? I do have to say, I think if you were to ask me in a fight, in a verbal spar between Tenacalian and Krugava, who would win? I would say Krugava. A hundred percent. But that was mm. before I read this part of the book. And... I think the big but is, are they in front of a crowd? Because Tana Callian, he had it. He knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, this moment is unbelievable to me um, in such like a mundane way where somebody is just like getting told off. You know, like, in, like that's not something yeah. that happens in these books a lot is somebody just like, gets their proverbial ass handed to them. Usually it's like hood comes out of a warren and bites their face off. And it's like, that's fucking sick. But in this one, it's just like the one friend yelled at the other friend so good that it made the other friend sad. That rules. Um, I, I, I really liked it. And I um would be curious on a reread if I care about the Tanakalian stuff in the last book more knowing that it comes to this point. Uh, Cause I think up until now Tanakalian has been a character that I have been so deeply uninterested in uh, after the initial watching the Destrian melt in the beginning of dust of dreams. Mm -hmm. um, the rest of dust of dreams. I'm like, man, this dude's shady up to something but nothing ever really happened uh, because we just kind of see them or we kind of just see him like twiddling his fingers like e he he he. They don't know that the Destrian turned me away. Yeah. Uh, but to finally have all that stuff aired out and for Tanakalian to just be like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck everything. You're wrong. And here is X, Y, Z, Y uh, was so satisfying. Really, really cathartic. This is such a long time coming. And look, yeah. in the grand scheme of this series, there's other things that last longer. But considering this is like one breakneck story from the beginning of Dust Dreams to this, and it's taken this long for the, you know, the the snap to happen, 
breakneck um, we're 1800 pages into this narrative yeah it's true in india my question for you about this scene is do you think this is the betrayal that fiddler warned tavor of that i did not even cross my mind because i have constantly Whoa. thought i constantly thought that this would be the betrayal and truthfully just because of where we are in the book i'm now like i don't know if it is i don't know anymore that's a good. I feel like when I think of betrayal, though, I, I I I thought of it as a lot more like I guess physical. But yeah, this this could be. Yeah, it's it's a major army that has that theoretically is just out of the fight, and it's now between the forces we just saw and uh, Queen Abrastel's army. So it's kind of just like at least as far as I don't think it's in the lead. I think it's between the other allied armies. So it's no, it's a weird spot. Peter, my question for you is who wins in a fight, the Parish Greyhelms or 10,000 Wolves with 10,000 Swords? No comment, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, that means it's fucking happening, AJ. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's just fun to resolve that kind of opening scene. And Josh, I will just say it has been, I think, a little easier for me to tune in. I'm like way more tuned into these sections or yeah. like I definitely felt the whole time like, oh, you know, like any of these storylines, like especially something like The Shake. The Shake is another great example from mm-hmm, book nine. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I mean The Snake. Um, uh, Shake too, I guess. You know, these storylines that kind of emerging from the side and you're not quite sure where they're going. It's definitely, you know, all of them have been a little chiller knowing how it's ended up. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Look into it, Josh, if you circle back. I will consider. Josh, do you remember the rest of that, like, prophecy or whatever about the betrayal? Yeah. Can you tell me? Okay, I don't I don't know it. Okay, that's fine, because I'm just thinking now, like, because you brought up a really good point earlier about all of the, you know, Setok uh, taking her position as Destrian and Tok being and and your like postulation that Tok could become the shield anvil whenever Tanakalian dies or just throws yeah. it away and then they and the ten thousand wolves become the new greyhounds mm-hmm. uh it's just pretty oh, interesting be crazy would love it Whew. big scene peter anything else in here you want to touch upon before we we back up a little bit to uh no i'm good let's do the first part first i i made a joke about it but i truly think this is one of the best and look i read a lot of fantasy novels i would say outside of this series there's not a lot of great writing being done in the books i read about relationships but i thought this was like a really 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 well done section on these two people whose relationship in some ways sprung up quickly due to circumstances and stresses in their lives making maybe it was a little bit nice to have somebody and for them to like really open up in this way especially for breeze was really beautiful India, have do you do you have you read more or consumed more media that has to do with stuff like this? And did you think this was a nicely done example of it? Okay. Um. No, I don't. I think that first of all, I don't like I. Everything about Erin Erinick, she's like so like. Can we use the term? Um. She's a simp here. Sure. She's a simp, and it bothers me because. But Brees is fine, too. He's just, like, I just feel like it's, like, all about him, like, all the time. And I just, like, that's not really a relationship. She's just obsessed. And mm. he's just, like, loving the attention because he has no fucking family. 
India, I have to say, I'm so happy to hear you say that because from what wow. I remember about the beginnings of their relationship, I, that is how I remember it. And I thought I just like maybe missed a moment in the books or something where they like have more of a, I mean, and obviously currently they do in this, in this book and stuff. And there is stuff in the end of the last book, but like up until they like sleep together and then are open with their feelings, I feel like it's just Aaronix being like, man, I wish Breeze would notice me. Literally. I mean, it is that I I would say there have been more scenes in this book mm-hmm. where they have been. It has. I I would say to their relationship has gotten more nuanced in this book. They have. I, had I would issues. totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But they definitely did start off like that a hundred percent. Yeah. And it just like I mean, you say that it that, that you know they they get together because of circumstances and it's nice to have somebody. And I think that yeah. stuff makes sense. I just don't think that is how it read to me in the moment. Um, it was just like, I wish that Breeze would give me a kiss and then eventually she goes to his tent and then they're together. Yeah. I mean, I would also <laughs> Isn't argue that, what that we all wish would fucking yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all just wish for a kiss and then suddenly we have a boyfriend <laughs> must be nice. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, bitter. <laughs> I, I, I have to tell you, um, I am shocked at the knives coming out for this beautiful young couple. Um, I think they're good I, now. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. To me, I, like, I totally hear what you're saying. I'm not even disagreeing with any of it. But to me, it's easily one of the couples or like relationships in the book that like I like believe and understand and it makes sense to me. Yes, you Peter. Know? Yes, like, Peter. When you talk about Pearl or Lestara Yill or something, like... I like I'm just you know that just really it never made sense I don't really believe it I've never been invested I, in that every time you say that I never believe like like that's wild to me I like totally get no. that. yeah well we can like, just I, be on different pages this because makes these, so much these, more sense these two to me I'm I like fucking get what's going on with these two but I do agree with India it is a little extra when Bryce asks her oh hey Ernick do you know how I died what did you hear about it <laughs> yeah uh, do what were the deets you got let me tell you a little. Let me tell you the real deal. You know, yeah. I'm, that's a little extra, but I really like this relationship. So, I, well, Peter, I would say what I liked is that it's the first time he's talked about it with anybody, and that is vulnerability yeah. that he that very oh, a please. lot of characters. <laughs> oh please! Oh what? please! India, he fucking died and wandered to the bottom of the ocean for like countless eons How in his time. Lucky is he to be alive. One, two. Honestly, this whole like relationship as aj kind of said came out of fucking nowhere like it was like a big crush and now they're in love and i just don't believe it and i don't like it and to be fair most other relationships in this book are toxic so you can't really compare it because they're all fucking toxic Mm. Mm. Okay, don't you say crocus and chalice are toxic? Okay, <laughs> okay, that is a love story. Literally, everyone are toxic because crocus is toxic. Yeah. <laughs> crocus that is the that toxic. Fucking one. got me. Crocus is a fiend. I forgot I'll Crocus was a character until right now. Oh my god! Holy forgot. Cutter, Cutter, Cutter. Yeah. Cutter. Please. Sorry, Josh. Cutter. Sorry. No, he's crocus he's a, again. He's now. a killer now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Okay, I. If in, in an effort to sort of wrap us up, I think Please. we didn't um, even touch on any of the Kachincha Mall stuff. Does it matter? It's cool. The It'll Kachincha make more Mall. sense. Mall. Sorry. Um, here's what I want <laughs> so to compare good. about a little bit. Um, Josh and you, 
Like you asked me earlier a question about Tavor. Um, I have yes. no idea what the actual question was. Which would be a so, better mother to a snake full of children, Tavor or Captain Kindly? It was a funny question. All right. So not <laughs> a mother, but Tavor is leading a group. The Bone Hunters are a group. Tavor is leading them. Uh-huh. And I think there's an interesting comparison here to be had because I do think they talk a lot about Tavor's leadership style and how she interacts with people as a general. And I think that's an interesting contrast when they're talking about Stormy and Gessler and controlling the Kachain Chamal and about how it's so mechanized mm. and how it's about this biological process. Do you know what I mean? It isn't this kind of emotional, spiritual, organical morale, what like organic morale, whatever you want to refer to um, Tavor and how she is trying to inter- interact and engage the soldiers, the bone hunters. You know, the soldiers, the Kachain Chamal are like, you know, it's pure biology in a sense, sometimes with the oils and stuff. Does that, that was the connection I made. I think that's really astute. <laughs> I don't have any. That's great. What, what did we, okay. What did we think about the like talking about Stormy and Gessler's relationship? Uh, oh, that was great, too. It's I really thought, nice. And yeah. this, this thing about them saving their humanity because they're so close to becoming gods is really interesting. Yeah. I I really hope they don't. And then the stuff with Sin, too. I hope they don't become gods, though, personally. But we'll see. The Sin stuff's crazy. I don't know how to feel about her still. She's tough for me. Sin's psychotic. Yes, yes. And grubs her humanity, whatever no, the fuck No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a leech. That's he's a little <laughs> leech. Whoa. And he is with the fucking hottest takes tonight. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean that he's a leech? No, she's a leech. She's, she's a, leech. a leech. She's sucking oh, okay. out everything. Yeah, she's using board. him as like a human blood bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. He's yeah, like a juice more, box. Way for more her. on the same page. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I was like, oh. I was really. I was, I was like, ready. wow, poor Grub. Fuck. Yeah, ready to defend okay. our boy Grub. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. He's fine. <laughs> he's doing he's great. He's the boys, okay. whatever. Wait, can we also just like discuss really quick? Like, mm. didn't Grub's family get murdered and then he got found by mm. this yes. man? Can and it? then the man died too? Yes. Yeah. Grub yes. was a foundling on the field of battle, and there is speculation as to whether he ever was born to a mother in <laughs> one part of the book series. That's the fucking wildest shit about him. Yeah. As opposed to what? I guess actually what I would say is it's one of the least wild things about him because he's done a lot since then. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Since uh, sucks. Somebody needs yeah. to put her down. Yes. And bad news. To wrap up this episode like a big banner in the shape of Tayhole's blanket. That's a fun. That was a fun bit. Thank Goofy. you. I would to like to ask it. everyone very fun bit. Very oh, brief. When they're talking about when they're talking about uh the grief and the, them mourning their father, that was a very moving section. Sorry. Lovely. It was There's awesome. There's a part earlier where Tool really says I'll turn your dreams to dust, so that was cool. Oh, that was good too. So anyway, yeah. to wrap us up, everyone's <laughs> going to get to add one thing, one item, one element to our imaginary banner that is 10 very big books. Oh. oh if we were leading an army. Oh. oh. I Oh wow, oh. AJ's AJ think, is thinking very this is hard. A, this is AJ a big moment. <laughs> so we adorable. we have a banner. It's leading our army. We're gonna have one element each. My element is that it will be a banner. Uh, it will be threaded in a way to seem as though it has a book binding on one end of it. Because <laughs> it's on a pole, Andy, right, right. And so the side that's attached to the pole will be threaded to look like yeah. the binding of a book. 
and then the oh. other side could be frayed, could be any kind of design over there. But finding the book on the on the uh, pole shaft. Yeah. Okay. AJ, are you ready or do you want to wait? <laughs> I feel like I should wait because mine has an energy. Oh God. Is it Ken very oh. books themed? Is that why you picked a book? Yes, because it really. Yeah, this is the ba- this is the banner of our podcast army. Oh fuck! Our army of listeners. Josh. Yesterday. I just need you to say what yours was again. I was so lost down the rabbit hole. Okay, so I've got a, I've got my my big banner uh, <laughs> holder, and uh, our banner is waving to the side, and the part of the banner attached to the holder is bound like the like the spine of a book because we're the Ten Very Big Books podcast. Okay, wow. I went in a really different direction with uh, mine. I'm excited. Yours seems really on theme. I don't want to go next. I'm very embarrassed. India. Um, that's hysterical, Peter. Mine would be a, oh, this is so hard. Uh, um, okay. I'm just going to pick a quick one because I really can't think about it too much. Can't be too. Are we not adding to Josh's banner? Aren't we, aren't we a mad? Yeah, we're adding adding to Josh's banner. Okay. All right. So I'm actually going to make, I don't know, Peter, you go. You already have yours. You already know what it is. AJ has an energy right. though. Mine is my contribution is whatever image is there. There's some text accompany, accompanying it, and the text says, <laughs> "Oh no!" The text says "milfs only." <laughs> okay, okay. Mine, wa- mine was the silhouette of Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so, oh, oh, oh. All right, India, take us home. Take us home, India. <laughs> Um, no! All right, no! I would then like um, hanging off the side to be. Oh yes, please. Tassels. Okay. 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 But the tassels have human teeth. <laughs> the ends of wow. Oh, Whoa. really? Okay, bringing wow. us. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Some mixed <laughs> messages from this banner. Oh, I love it. Josh, can you just give us the whole thing? Yeah. So we have. Uh, we have a thick uh, banner carrying rod placed into the earth in front of our mighty army of listeners. What color? Uh, uh, the pole, uh, bone white. Well, no. And then, the... well, I'm getting to the banner. I'm on the pole. I'm not. I'm not off the oh, pole. Oh, sorry, yet. sorry, sorry, sorry. So then, attached to the banner, you see an intricate uh, uh, thread work in the shape of a book binding, and you see this glorious, huge banner. I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna say it's puke green. And uh, maybe like Shrek Green. Is that good? Shrek Green? I vote Kids' Choice Awards slime. Kids' Choice Award Gak Green, okay? And on it is a silhouette of undegenerous underneath of which says MILFs only and dangling from tassels throughout it, human teeth. Wow. (laughs) There we go, everybody. (laughs) We've we've got it. Um, Look forward to our uh, War Banner merch store opening soon. Yes. (laughs) We'll be sign up, this sign up for the 10 very big books militia. You'll need to know your height, weight, preferred arms and armaments. I don't want to start an army, guys. I'm I vote against starting an army. No, it's a it's a civil it's a civil battle force, Pete. <laughs> yeah. We're not attacking it's Peter. Hard. It's for our defense. It's a strike force. <laughs> it's a strike yeah. force, please. Alright, someone uh, someone in this episode. <laughs> It's you, buddy. Is it me? All right. All well, right, that's wait. been 10. That's been 10 very big bucks of mouths in through podcasts. Um, Keep that pause in there, AJ. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, let us know what you think of the Let us know what you think of the show. At, I sound like Daffy Ducks. And you can fine. reach us at tenverybooks at gmail.com. Aja's going to do their whole spiel. But before we, before we really leave you, what's that? Oh, Howling on the Wind, 10,000 Wolves. They're all chanting the same thing. What are they, what are they chanting, Peter? July 22nd, come to the Malazan Stream of the Fallen. Oh, please give to charity. There'll be books, guests, games. Enjoy. Ow. Indy, I do a wolf howl. Ow. And, oh, she's frozen. <laughs> I thought that judgmental look was just there. It's very All right. funny. All right. And that's going to be it for us here this week, folks. Three. Are we we got to say the end. We got to do the compassion. Let me fucking finish the episode. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here. It's been fun. You know how we end this. When I say come, you say passion. Ready? Come. Passion. passion. What the fuck was that? I'm really Josh? uncomfortable by that. <laughs> See ya. I, I hated that. I wanted it to be as uncomfortable as I could make it. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here. Very hungry for pizza that's in the oven. Yum, yum. Give pizza, please. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com. Tweet us at 10verybigbooks. Or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. That link is also in the show notes. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. We are almost at $800 a month, uh, which would be a really huge milestone for us and would really help uh, make the stuff that we have planned in the future, mainly the stream, uh, way easier to to pull off in terms of tech and money spending stuff. So if you want to head on over to our Patreon, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gezerick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for damn Trey. Thank you as well to resident Paws and Claws, a warrior cat's read through podcast co-host Scout Wilkinson for the special art she is providing for this season. You can follow her on Twitter at Humble Goat and on Ko-Fi at ko-fi.co slash humble goat. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthin from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on May 12th, talking the crippled god book four, The Fists of the World. We'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. It was satisfying getting to watch someone read one of my dumb chapter summaries. It's yeah, fun it was, to read it yours. Was, it's a different vibe. Yeah. yeah. Yours are fun. Yours are anyone that's not mine are Pete's. So Josh and India, your, your guys what? are fun to read. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, you, you had a certain cadence and way that you do with the chapter summaries, and I tried to mirror that uh, without putting any of my personality into it. It's yeah, mine are boring. Yeah, Yours mine are don't boring. have the flavor. Yeah. Mine are boring too. But I do like being a dramatic little boy and like editing these to somber music and you know, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So they all they they all have their values. That sounds really cool, AJ. Is there anyone anywhere someone could hear that or check out your work? No, actually, <laughs> ah, <Peter>! um, <laughs> I don't. I don't put it anywhere. So don't uh, listen to it. Okay. It's, those God. are just just for me and my two thousand friends. <laughs> Call this man a socket the way he's plugging those streams. <coughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Josh, it's you, baby. All right. I'm finishing my chocolate bar. Oh, hell yeah. What kind of chocolate bar you got? The symphony bar. The symphony. Fuck yeah. I told you I had half one. Of yeah, a nice glass of water to wash it down with. Totally get it. The brand is strong. <laughs> All right. 